Hello, I'm Wendy Conquest, and I want to welcome you to Conversations on Sex, Addiction, and Relationships. I'm here with Dan Drake and Tim Stein, and today we're talking about masturbation. So this is a topic that comes up a lot with sex addiction and betrayal trauma, because uh, when people are in recovery, they uh, need to decide whether this is a healthy activity and behavior for themselves or not. And sometimes partners or spouses are uh, have an opinion about it or feel strongly about whether this is acceptable or not. And so we wanted to have a conversation about this. So um, where do we start? I guess well, we can, can I just own, can we just yes. own from the very yes. beginning, this is an awkward conversation or could be an awkward conversation? Oh, absolutely. We, we have been, to, to the audience out there, the, the pre-show conversation has been lots of laughing and giggling and embarrassed shudders. So even us sex addiction therapists that talk about all kinds of sexual behaviors routinely, it's still an awkward conversation. So can we start with what defining what masturbation is? Oh my gosh, we're starting people, there. Well, because well, no, a I, lot of people will I say, think it's fantastic. Hey, we should start hey, there. A lot of yeah, a lot of people, you know, men will say, "Hey, I touched myself but I didn't orgasm, so I didn't masturbate, so I'm still sober." Oh, how many how many have you guys had the the, the clients and and I, and I know these clients so well that have the conversations, well, you know, from for male masturbation you know, so I, I only stroked myself four or five times. So, you know, it, if it's not six or more, it's not merely masturbation or not, or I didn't actually have an orgasm, therefore it isn't masturbation, so it's okay. Or my personal favorite, I didn't use my hands in all the different ways that they find to do it without using their hands. Therefore, right. it's not masturbation. And I don't know about you, you, you too, but the, the definition I tend to use is just like, if, if you're sexually stimulating yourself, it's whether you get to orgasm or not, whether you use your hands or not, you know, it, it it's masturbation. I think that's, I, a, I, I have a, you disagree? Uh, no, I have a polygrapher, you know, I think the correct term is polygrapher, but I like to say polygrapher, even if I'm mispronouncing it. Um, I said here locally. And so her definition is extremely strict. So her definition is if you are touching your genitals other than cleaning yourself or a brief rearrangement, then that's masturbation. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. That would make sense too. Because, you know, so, so to get your point, Tim, so, you know, the, the, so someone's in the shower and, and they're cleaning, but then it goes on a little too long. They're, they're not meaning to intentionally sexually stimulate themselves, but then it turns into that. And then we'll get, this is probably getting ahead of ourselves, but is there, is there a middle circle line here versus inner circle, or is it just a hard and fast if you're not well, cleaning or if you're not that's rearranging? A good, that's a good question, right. which is why... Why do we even worry about boundaries when it comes to masturbation right. and, and sex addiction in the first place? Which, you know, and I have my thought, but I'm, I, let me toss that out as a question to you two first. Why do we even care? Why do we even care? Um, so this is, so um, 
it's I think the biggest piece, the first piece is, is it secret or not? Yeah. So I think the, a lot of the problems happen when there's um, secret sexual activity, whether it's with another person um, or by by yourself. Um, and so we get, and so what I hear a lot from my clients is, well, this is something that I do privately. I've done this all my life. And so um, why would I share that with my wife or my girlfriend that I'm, that I'm doing this? Why would I do that? And, and the answer is because she doesn't know it's happening. And uh, does it then lead to less sexual intimacy with a partner if there is, um, do I, I don't know, guys, does it have to be chronic masturbation? Can it be any kind of masturbation that then interferes with sexual intimacy with a partner? Uh, that's, a, that's another big question. I think it would depend. Yeah. What's the level of, you know, is there a sexual desire difference in the relationship or um, what's going on with the, the masturbation? Is there use, chronic use of pornography? How long is this going on? I mean, there's a bunch of other questions I would ask. Yeah. And, and, and I will say that I, uh, I think it varies. It varies, but I want to get back to the, the other question. And then we're going to go off on this tangent. Yep. Um, yep. Dan, why, why do you care? I mean, with, with the addict clients that you're working with, why do you care if they're masturbating or not? Uh, for a few reasons. First, we're, my clients tend to, I mean, we're dealing with sexual compulsivity. So problematic sexual behavior of some kind, most, in most cases, masturbation, was a part of some of someone's sexual history. And again, I think we should, we should name also, we're not, we're not trying to say in this, in any of this, that masturbation is wrong or bad, or we're not trying to moralize it or come up. We're just going to have a conversation on this. So I understand this can bring up a lot of feelings, you know, different cultures and religious beliefs. So it, it can stir up a lot. So I think we're not trying to pathologize it, or we're just trying to have a conversation about it. Um, but typically with our clients, it's led to problems for them of some kind. Um, in the 12-step the phrase, it's led to some kind of pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization for them or consequences in their, their relationship, like you said, Wendy. So it could be sexual or, you know, I don't like the term, but sexual performance issues, you know, that yeah. there may be some kind of, uh, you know, maybe led to ED or, or lowered, you know, th their, their sexual response is affected. For me, when I'm thinking about my clients in masturbation, and I, I use, I look at this primarily at early in their recovery. My default is let's pull masturbation off the table. And I do that because when I'm thinking about, well, twofold. One, it's been my experience that clients that continue to masturbate where pornography or uh, affairs or, or acting out sexually was a, was a part of their addiction that when masturbation stays in the mix, they have a harder time staying sober. And the reason that that happens is because when we're doing work uh, around sobriety from sex addiction, the, what we're actually trying to do is neurologically reprogram in their brain so that those addictive neural pathways aren't the prominent ones and they're developing healthy neural pathways. And when somebody who's got an addictive neural pathway going on in their brain is masturbating and especially masturbating and going into fantasy, which I'll circle back to that later when we talk about what healthy self-pleasuring self or masturbation looks like. 
Um, but when they're masturbating and going into fantasy, they're stimulating those addiction neuropathways, which is getting in the way of and hampering the neurological healing of their brain, which is reinforcing the addictive patterns, which is getting in the way of the sobriety and the recovery, which is the reason that they're coming to see me in the first place. That was a mouthful. But you know that, that's why I care. But I will also say I've had some clients where masturbation was never an issue for them. It wasn't really a part of their addiction. I remember one guy in particular who had affairs and, you know, he was like, you know, I, I masturbate three times a week. And I'm like, and my, my red flags go up immediately. And then as we explored it, it's like, well, cause his doctor tells him that he has to for, right. which is another whole conversation. Right. We should and log that. Can we have a we talk can. on that in a second? And, you know, and I had to look into, is this actually real or not? But Ultimately, for him, it was like, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm craving and I don't look forward to it. I don't love it. I'm doing it because my doctor tells me to, and it didn't have a lot of energy to him. So, okay, not, not inner circle for you, but that's unusual. So, for our, so just for our listeners, and, and this is new for me too. So, uh, doctor telling him to masturbate three times a week for, I missed that. Oh, prostate health. Oh, yeah, you'll get, you haven't gotten this one yet? No. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. No, it's, it's a pretty common. So urologists, especially as men get older, they'll, they'll recommend uh, sexual release, you know, every 72 hours or so every couple of days. So that's pretty, pretty common. And the thinking is, and, and we can't speak as MDs. So we're putting that out there. We're not MDs. So definitely consult your, your doctor, but that's pretty common. And sometimes men will use that. Well, I have to, cause that's what my urologist is suggesting for my prostate health. So no. There's another thing that I want to put out there, and I think it's important to acknowledge this, that, you know, we're, we're all sex addiction therapists, certified sex addiction therapists. There are also sex addiction therapists that fall on the other side of this, this coin, which there are some sex addiction therapists that will say, you know, masturbation is, is a healthy form of sexuality. Uh, masturbation is, if, if somebody's going into sobriety, it's not really uh, fair for us to shut their sexuality down completely indefinitely. And so allowing a client to masturbate is a part of allowing their sexuality to continue. And there's I a, I don't agree with them uh, for a variety of reasons, but that I, I have heard that from other very respected sex addiction um, therapists out there that, that I, that I know and that I work with. Yeah. Sometimes I'll say to, I frame it this way and it's not perfect, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's one way to kind of look at it. If I'm, let's say I have a um, problems with food, with eating, um, it's maybe, and I want to change my relationship with food, or I kind of want to like cleanse, cleanse my system. I, I think when I'm taking a celibacy period or an abstinence period, or I'm, I'm, you know, I'm cutting out masturbation from my sexual sexuality, my, my healthy sexuality, um, it's kind of like a detox or a cleanse. So I, I'm going to be, whatever, what are you, what are the cleanses these days? The lemon <laughs> cayenne, I don't know. What, what are the, what are the common <laughs> cleanses? whatever. It doesn't matter. So, so, but it's kind of like a cleanse, not to say that it's bad or I'm cutting out food, that food's bad. That's not the point. It's to cleanse my system so that I can, you know, reintegrate um, food in a healthy way. And I think that's the, the idea. If my brain never stopped engaging, like you said, those neural pathways and my brain is still going in the same direction, then I'm, I'm not really giving my, myself a chance to, to develop a, a new, healthier sexuality because the problem with sex addiction is that this, the sexual behaviors became a maladaptive coping. It became problematic. 
So if I'm not giving myself a, a chance to, to develop new ways of coping, then I don't know. I, I don't see, I, I see my clients having struggling. And I, and I think one of the important things, what you're, what you're talking about, and sorry, I'm talking over you, Wendy. I'm going to make this okay, point. That's okay. Um, is that by doing that, masturbation, by the way, I hate that word. I'll talk about that in a second. Masturbation got separated from their actual, their own sexuality because now they're using it not because they're feeling sexual desire or sexual arousal and that sexual energy is coming up for them. They're using it because they're scared, they're angry, they're bored, they're, they're, they're un, uncomfortable. And rather than being present with the sexual experience of their body, they're escaping into fantasy right. and jumping off into some, some nether world of, of, of addictive images and so while it's a sexual behavior, it's a sexual behavior that's become divorced from their actual sexuality and their experience of sexuality. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this uh, question in um, now just because I don't want to uh, run out of time. So um, a huge question that I have, especially from um, people actually in other countries, um, so Africa, Asia, um, the Middle East is um, how do I stop? So I'm I'm masturbating when I don't want to be masturbating. How do I stop? Oh man! Well, I, I mean, if, if they're if they're an addict, which I'm assuming. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa! So these are people who haven't self-identified as an addict yet, and and the term it's interesting because as the term sex addict goes worldwide they ask, am I an addict or not? So, mm -hmm. you know, I have um, 18 year old boys basically asking um, that, you know, when I wake up and I'm aroused, um, I want to masturbate and I want to stop because this is, you know, this is against my religion. Like I, this is not okay. This is against my morals. And so they want to know, right? So they haven't yet, I, we don't know if they're an addict or not. Mm -hmm. So do we have to make that distinction? That's a great question, right? Do we make that distinction? Well, I mean, well, if the question is how do I stop? Then it, I think it absolutely is relevant. If someone's an addict, then the right. stopping is going to look maybe different than someone who's not because a non-addict can stop a behavior, just say, I don't want to do that anymore. And they stop. Or they can easily substitute a healthy behavior for sure. it. Right, right. And, and, and it'll be different. And if it's, if there's more of a compulsive nature to it, then what do we have to do? We have to, because you know, the, the analogy that we use of the, of the boulder at the top of the hill, and then it's rolling down the hill, and then it's in the water. And if you try to stop it towards the bottom of that hill, you're going to have a heck of a time stopping the boulder, but it's a lot easier to stop it at the top. So, you know, it's a lot of that taking a step back and not just saying, okay, you feel like masturbating, and you're like really struggling with that urge. And now you just need to say, stop it, because you're not going to have a lot of success there. But if you back up, okay, so what are the situations where you're likely to struggle with that behavior that you're trying to contain? What, what, what are the uh, red flags that that kind of uh, earworm towards masturbation is going on for you? And when you first start to notice those, let's come up with some plans on what do you do differently? How do you, uh, you know, do you, um, do you talk to somebody? Is there a, a, a technique, a tool, a calming mechanism, a self-care, something that helps you to calm down and move in a different direction? You know, do you write yourself a letter that reminds yourself of why you don't want to do this? I also think, and when we're talking about this, I think that there's always a question of why do you want to stop? You know, mm -hmm. that's what I was, I was going to bring up. I think it's worth, because I, I think we have to back up even. Okay, so it's against whatever, against my morals, against my religion, against whatever. I think it's worth exploring where did those stories come from? Is yeah. that, is it 
directly written somewhere? You don't do X, Y, or Z, you don't masturbate. Is it, that's just what we, we've come to believe? Is it because it was shamed early on? Is this family, is it, is it societal? I mean, yeah, is there a stigma? Like the word masturbation, I was gonna say, I hate that word because the word masturbation, if you look at its uh, origins, comes from the, the Latin word uh, for self-mutilate. And so the word masturbation for self-pleasuring behavior was introduced by the Catholic church who had a lot of problems with people's you know, own personal sexuality if it wasn't for procreation. And so the word masturbation is actually a, a, a translation of self-mutilation as opposed to self-pleasuring. And so, so there's a lot of stigma that can get associated with masturbation. While masturbation can be problematic for people in recovery, in recovery it can, it, it's also a, it can be, in my opinion, a very healthy sexual expression. And so for me, the question is, well, is somebody uncomfortable with their sexuality? Is there a cultural piece going on? Is there a religious piece going on? Where is their desire to stop masturbating coming from? Because those are going to be very different conversations than the conversation I'm having with an addict about, hey, this is actually undermining your recovery and your sobriety, which you're trying to create. Great. And I, I just have to say this. So if you guys, um, I am, I am a Christian and I was, I grew up with the, you know, sex is, it wasn't really said as overtly. It was, it was sex is safe for marriage, but it's kind of bad until then. Like that was the, the sort of message, um, including, you know, with, with yourself or with a, a, another. And yet when you really look, I'm all for whatever someone's going to come to, to believe about this, but when I look, if you look at the Bible, I'm not sure about other texts, but there is zero mention of masturbation. There's a ton on lust, a ton on lust, but not much on masturbation, if, if anything. There's one passage that sometimes people use, but it's, it's not. Anyway, there's nothing there. So it makes me wonder, so where are these messages coming from? You know, you talk about the Catholic Church. Clearly, there's... Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a whole history of this that I think is at least worth exploring. I'm not going to necessarily try and change someone's beliefs, but it's worth looking at what do I believe? Why do I believe it? Where did this come from? Um, is there shame involved in it? Is it, if I want to stop, that's fine. I'm not going to try and say you should, or you shouldn't do something, but I think it's worth looking. Where's the shame coming from? What's that about? And I think really trying to, to heal from that because I haven't found shame help anybody. Oh no. No. So we're talking, I mean, we're talking religious, but we also might be talking cultural. Of course. Um, and, and we do have, or, uh, um, we're going to be interviewing, um, what's her name, Dan? Artie. Artie, what's la Artie's last name? Do you know? Chibam Daram. <laughs> okay. Sorry, and she's, she, no, that's okay. She specializes, yeah, she specializes in uh, cultural differences. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's another part. And, and that's, that's the other thing. I, I think we have to be really sensitive of that. We may have a certain belief um, and that may very well not be something that another culture is going to uh, believe about masturbation. I think it's, we really need to respect that. Yeah, and you know, there is a big piece about respecting what people want to do with masturbation, whether they think it works, whether it's cultural, you know, whether it's religious and do they choose to embrace that, that religious belief and teaching uh, or you know, the, the title of this episode, unless we've decided to call it something different, is something along the lines of FAP or no FAP. And that's a whole movement that came out of, uh, you know, what college age young people 
on the the internet and Reddit, where FAP is the noise that that you hear when a male masturbates. And so they had these whole all these no FAP groups that came about because a lot of these college students that were masturbating and looking at porn found that they were having problems with sexual functioning and um, it was creating a lot of problems for them. So there was like an organic development of this no FAP group. And, you know, if that's working for them and, and, and that's giving them uh, what they need in their, their life, Wendy keeps disappearing. Yeah, um, this is the first time this has ever happened. It's really but, bizarre. But if that's giving them what they, that they need in their life, I'm certainly not going to judge it. I just think that that's, that that's what they need. And, and at the same time, let's have a conversation about where did that come from? Why does that have that weight for you? And if they're one of our addiction clients, how does that fit into their recovery? Right. Well, and can I, so th on that note, yeah, we talk about culture and there may be uh, reasons to masturbate, not masturbate. Um, one, so a lot of our clients, and I'm, I'm sure this is a question, especially from any partner of an addict that, that would be listening. So this is a huge topic that comes up in, in recovery. So we've talked about the, the person's own sexuality. So we're talking about, let's say an addict. Now, what do you do if I'm partnered, I'm in a relationship, um, what do we do with healthy sexuality, masturbation, if I'm in a relationship with, with a, a, a partner? Um, maybe I've determined it's safe or healthy for me and I have these parameters around it or whatever, but then my partner feels really unsafe and, and threatened by masturbation. Before we, even, before we even get into that conversation, let's let's have the, the in-between conversation, which for me is, well, for somebody in recovery, when might self-pleasuring be healthy and appropriate? Now I've got my answer, but I really want to hear yours first. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like you've got, you, you got like, this is, this is the right answer. And you, oh, yeah. I hope you come up with my answer. <laughs> yeah. And I've got the right answer, but I'd like to hear what you have to say first. Well, let me just say, no, I, I, uh, I wrote up, I don't know that there is one right answer. I wrote up some questions. So if someone's considering healthy masturbation, I wrote up questions to consider for healthy masturbation. I put up a bunch of questions for someone if they're really thinking, okay, this is something I think I'm ready for. I just put, so if anyone wants that, I'm happy to send that out. I have a PDF of it. I'm happy to send that out. Um, and it's really a way to think through why am I doing this? Um, why now? What, what am I using masturbation for? Um, where am I in my recovery journey? Is it, is it time yet? Um, what would determine, what, what's my primary function for, for trying to reintegrate masturbation? Do I have boundaries around it? Um, can it be a healthy, connected spiritual experience even possibly, you know, cause for our clients, typically sexuality or masturbation, like you said earlier is a disconnecting kind of, um, I'm trying to avoid my feelings. I'm trying to avoid my, myself. Can I actually connect with my body. You know, that sounds obvious, but uh, for, for most addicts, they're not masturbating to connect with themselves. They're no. masturbating to disconnect. So, yeah. Oftentimes. Yeah. Learning. So, yeah. So I just want to say that the, um, when I've, so when I've worked with, uh, it's mainly with, um, younger men clients that I've had. Um, and so it's this piece of, can you feel your whole body? If you're going to engage in masturbation, can you really be totally connected? Yeah. And um, I've had clients say, you know, Wendy, you're crazy. Like I, you know, I tried it and I'm breathing mm. and it was such a weird experience. I just stopped. <laughs> um, or they really pursue that and try to have a full body experience. I've been certified uh, integrative body psychotherapist in addition to being a CSAT. So this is a big piece of, of, of work that I've 
studied and, and practiced. The second thing is, okay, if you want, if you're going to fantasize at all, uh, can you, can you integrate your wife? Can it be only solely about your wife? And what I find is that I have to ask the wife's permission or they have to ask the wife's permission because a lot of wives are like, I don't want you doing that thinking of me. I actually don't even encourage fantasy at all, even with the wife, because I don't want them to unintentionally objectify their wife and turn her into an addictive object. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage them to stay out of fantasy and you're staying present. And I love what you're saying, which is like, this is a whole body experience. It's not genital focused. It's mm -hmm. a, a body sensual experience. And I will sometimes talk about, you know, you're following the ebbs and the flows of your, your sexuality and it will typically end in orgasm, but it may not. And, you know, th there's that whole piece about healthy self-pleasuring that is very different than addictive masturbation. And my rule of thumb is I want people to be sober minimum of a year, preferably 18 months. Mm -hmm before we even enter into that conversation. And I love, Dan, that you've got a, a list of, hey, here are things that might indicate that you're ready for that. Mm -hmm. um, I had a client who came in, uh, he had uh, been sober for 18 months, two years, something like that, wanted to open up the idea of healthy self-pleasuring. And uh, we had a lot of conversations and it seemed appropriate. He felt like he could do that. He talked with his sponsor. He talked with some other guys in program. He talked with his wife, got everybody's blessing, got everybody on board um, and opened up with uh, appropriate parameters what healthy self-pleasuring for him would look like. And, and I will say that I've had some clients that have opened up that door and it felt like this is too close to masturbation and I feel my addiction sort of creeping in here. So I'm not going to go here. And so they'll open up the door, explore it a little bit and then close the door and say, this isn't for me. This particular gentleman was opening up that door and continuing, and his wife came to him one day, which, and I loved this conversation. So she came to him and she said, I, I know that you've been self-pleasuring, and, and I can tell because I, I just know. And when you do that, what I feel is it feels to me like you've been sexual with someone else other than me, which you have, you've been sexual with yourself. And when that happens, what I reflexively do is I pull away from you. And so, and I love the way that she said this, I'm not going to tell you whether you should do that or not. I just need to let you know that this is what happens for me when you're doing that. And it opened up a beautiful conversation for them. And he came in and shared that with me. And I asked him, what are you going to do? He's like, well, I'm not going to self-pleasure anymore because being sexual with her and my relationship with her is so much more important to me than self-pleasuring. But it was, I thought she opened that up in such a beautiful way. And he was able to be response. He was able to respond to that conversation and not everybody does, but he was able to. And for them that worked, worked out really well, which brings me back to what you were talking about, Dan, which was how, how do addicts and their partners manage or deal with their feelings around self-pleasuring, even if the addict and the therapist in the community feels like it's healthy, it still may not be comfortable for the partner. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I'm sure we, we could probably have a whole separate conversation on, yep. on this because I'd actually love to hear Jeannie's thoughts on this. I know she's not with us today. Um, and and I, I, I can also empathize for any partners that are, are listening. This is really, can be really scary. So the idea, the idea, it's almost like, and you think in, um, AA terms, if I'm an alcoholic 
you know, let's say my, I, I'm a, I was a scotch man or a whiskey person or whatever. I'm, that was my drink of choice. It, it, it sometimes for partners like, well, so now you're drinking beer, you're having wine. Is that still alcohol? If still is really like, is that okay? So, and I, I can appreciate that for alcoholics, it's complete abstinence. We're, we're never, we're never drinking again. That's, that's the goal. Or that's, that's kind of one day at a time, all that for sexuality it's it's just different right because health the goal is not just stopping our sexuality the goal is changing our relationship with our sexuality so that's a healthier thing but i can also appreciate how scary that can be for the partner because you know it feels like you're opening a massive door open and that that feels really threatening really really scary really unsafe so um i also understand there might be very differences of opinions with this based on the different professionals so i'm i'm acknowledging that but i just want to put that out there but how do you guys approach this when it comes to your couples that you work with well for our listeners um i just want you to know that you're listening to conversations on sex addiction and relationships and we're here with tim stein and dan drake and we're talking about masturbation so with the couples that I work with, I really approach this as open the conversation. You know, I'm not going to tell you what you have to do and what the right thing is, because I don't think there's a right thing. But I want them to have a conversation. What does, what, what does self-pleasuring mean to him? Why does he want to, or her, why do they want to open up that door? What does it mean for the partner? And are they okay with that? Are they comfortable with that? Do they have fear around that? Is that fear related to the addiction and the trauma they've experienced? Is that concern related to their own personal beliefs or cultural beliefs or religious beliefs? And, and, and let's start having a conversation. You know, I'm, um, when it, I, I, I will tell addicts that it's not appropriate for their partner to determine what their program is going to be, but it's also not appropriate for them not to take their partner's experience and feelings into consideration when they're figuring out their program. And so, and, and their program has a direct impact on their partner. It does. And so I, I want them to have a conversation. I don't, I don't have, you know, any magic answer to any of this stuff, but I've, I find that most couples are able to navigate through that if they're willing to have the conversation and there's, you know, I, I think one of the caveats we need to put in here is, and if there's solid sobriety in place, right. first, first right, of right, all, right. and if the addict is, um, you know, actively, maybe not perfectly, but actively moving into recovery. So they're finding moderation balance and they're not doing the stupid, you know, lying, cheating, uh, telling, you know, you know, going into denial kind of stuff. Okay. And, and the partner has actively worked on whatever trauma that they've got and is able to tolerate the addicts imperfection that's going to be in present in their recovery simply because they're human. Right. You know, those four things are in place. I think that the conversations are, are very doable. Okay. So here's a scenario. Um, the, oh, there's, a, there's, there's a couple. Yeah, there's a couple. And, um, and so he's been um, sober for three years and I, not that one, that one, not that one. Let's not go that one. He's been sober for a year and um, she's been doing her betrayal trauma work and so he starts saying, hey, um, we're not sexual. We haven't gotten to the point of, of um, being physically intimate. And so um, I'm a sexual being, so I should be able to masturbate. 
um, or, or we really need to start working on being more sexual, not even being more sexual, but at least, you know, being more physically intimate, like hugging and cuddling and kissing and hugging. And so um, if that's not going to happen, well, then, you know, I, I, I have to, I, I, I'm going to need to, what do you guys say? Okay. So a few things, Uh huh. <laughs> a few things first. Um, unless you all tell me otherwise, nobody has died from not masturbating or having sex. Oh, do you know I, of any story that that's I add, no, that not true? I, I yeah. add on to that, that I have searched the medical, uh, database <laughs> and no one's testicles have exploded. They haven't. Okay. I just want to put that out there to my knowledge. Nobody has died by not having sex or by not masturbating. Okay. Exactly. I think we just need to say that it might sound obvious, but that's important because because that's a starting place. So healthy sexuality, sure, is that our goal? But the sh- when you're now, what I'm hearing in your question, Wendy, or this uh, situation, it's an ultimatum. Yeah. It feels like if you don't do this, I'm going to do this. And, and there may be another, there may be multiple other choices. But first of all, the approach is, is not, the approach sounds um, kind of coming from a victim stance and, and aggressive and entitled as opposed to mm-hmm. what I would say even before the conversation you're talking about Tim I would I would encourage this person to talk with their team so their their therapist or coach or their sponsor or their you know their recovery team and then first first float this with them first this is what I'm thinking what do you all think what are you seeing um, and then coming up with some general parameters first with like this is what it may look like that's a kind of doing that front work ahead of time, then maybe approaching the partner when they, if the team's like, you know what, you've been doing this, this, and this, and it seems appropriate for you. I feel like the conversation would then coming to the partner wouldn't be this, this is what's going to happen. It's more of, here's what I'm thinking. It's, it's not like necessarily asking permission, but it's also not uh, dictating right. the terms. It, it's, There's not something... a, it's not a conversation that goes, if we're not going to do this, then I need to do this. Right. I should be able to. And if you're not gonna, then I'm gonna. That's, that's not a conversation. That's a like uh... having a tantrum, you know. Where is if if that person is going to, like you said, the sponsor, the therapist, the other people in the community, you know, he can have his tantrum over there, and right. and they're going to contain and they're going to push and they're going to nudge, and eventually, if he's ready for this and people feel like he's really appropriate, eventually, recovery is going to get folded into that conversation and then it's probably going to sound more like hey we're not at a place where where we're being sexual with each other and i'm realizing that i i it's important for me to figure out how to connect with my sexuality in a healthy way and i'm thinking about opening up to healthy self-pleasuring with some boundaries here what they might be what are your thoughts about that and that's a that's a whole different conversation. And I, I think and and I, I think I reacted to the same thing you did, Dan, which is it's less about the timing. It's more about the tone and the energy attached to the conversation that tells me a lot about where this person is in the recovery and how ready they are to open up, you know, that behavior, because that behavior can be a slippery slope. If it's if it if it takes you back into your addiction, and it can also be a springboard into healthy sexuality, if you're managing it well with appropriate boundaries and, and containment. Right. The entitlement, the attitude tells me. I mean, is that someone? Is that active recovery when I'm dictating the terms of how this is going to go and giving you two choices? I that doesn't sit well with me. Um, and I know. Uh, 
it's a it's a really delicate thing we may disagree on this but if, if ultimately it's approached in a, in a safe healthy way like you just said tim and mm-hmm. the partner says i really I, I don't feel safe i don't feel comfortable with that quite yet maybe there's a can we can we talk about this in six months or maybe there's a time frame i'm generally i generally personally defer to the partner's safety if the partner doesn't feel safe assuming that they're doing their their work you know they're they're kind of processing this and we've we've worked through it because i don't know i, I find that it can erode relational safety or the partner's safety if if the addict's moving forward um, and the partner really doesn't feel safe with it. Now, if this is long term and they're chronically not going to integrate healthy sexuality back into their relationship, maybe obviously a different story. But that's generally where at least I start. I I don't know where where I defer. I think I would open up to well, there are always consequences to our choices. That's you, true. You can choose to hold this boundary and not open up to self-pleasuring. And the consequence might be that your, uh, your partner appreciates that and they feel safer and whatever progress goes that way. But it also might mean that your, your sexuality and your experience of your sexuality stays on hold. And that might be uncomfortable for you and it might bring up fear and, and, and pain for you. You can choose to move forward, even though they are uncomfortable for this, you can choose to move forward with your own self-pleasuring and the consequences that your partner isn't going to feel like you respected their feelings and that you're not taking their experience into consideration and they might pull away from you. And so I, I, rather than telling them what we, what, what they should do, it's their consequences. You may not like the consequences and the consequences might be comfortable or uncomfortable, but there are the consequences. What do you choose? What are you choosing to do? And maybe go have this conversation. And again, like you said, go go talk to your sponsor. Go talk to people in program. Talk to some other people because you're going to get different answers. Yeah. I have an I have another question for you guys. I don't know how are we doing on time. We have a little bit of time, right? Um, so we've we've kind of assumed we've talked about like male sexuality, male masturbation. Um, I'm curious. So how does this? Uh, you know, we talked about kind of. Uh, heterosexual couples what about same-sex couples what about um if if it's a a female addict does this masturbation topic does that change at all based on the constellation of the couple or if someone's single by the way too that's a whole other question so you know so I'll, i'll talk about um women women sex addicts um, it, it's, it's interesting cause it's a lot of the same dynamics. So it, if they're in a uh, couple and they're secretly, uh, masturbating, um, a lot of times the, the we're talking heterosexual, a boyfriend or, well, I'm going to say, um, homosexual as well. Um, that they're not, the partner isn't going to like it if it's, if it's secret. And if it's, if they're, you know, going off and doing that, um, and, and not knowing about it. Um, so, and, and same thing of, uh, okay, so why are you doing this? Is it to relieve anxiety? Is it to, um, escape some way, um, feelings that you're having, um, are too big, too much. And so this is a relief. Um, so same, same questions, right. With, with men or with women, mm-hmm is why do you feel that you have to do this? So it goes back yeah. to that. And I, I think it, it can be the same thing, which whether you're a, a man or a woman, if you're masturbating, it has the potential 
to disconnect you from your sexuality. You know, if you're going off into fantasy, if you're using it for all those other reasons, it can still be problematic. And, you know, we, we've all heard stories, you know, women can uh, get uh, can hooked up in compulsive masturbation the same way men can, mm-hmm. and it can create problems. Um, the, so I, I have think, a question, sorry. Oh. I, think, I think one of the differences might be, you know, if the partner is uh, a male, is do they have the same concern about the addict masturbating? And I, I think that some might and some might not. You know, that's that's interesting. My 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 can c- could we surmise that it may be more um, embarrassing or uh, uh, for for the male to say, um, yes, I do have a problem with this. If my, if my, yeah, um, uh, that it just should be okay, or he should be all right with it. But on a core level, it's the same dynamic, right? Wow, you have had sexual impropriety with somebody else. And I was um, n- not knowing this and traumatized by it. And now you're going off and being sexual with yourself. Um, but that should be okay, right? That, that I shouldn't have a problem with that. Or they might have the, the, the same feeling, like there's the term um, cuckold, which is, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I've been sexually emasculated because you don't need me right. to be sexual. And so they might have a very strong reaction to masturbation. And again, for me, it brings it back to what we were talking about. How do you respectfully open this up to a couple's conversation so mm-hmm. that the addict is is exploring what what is it what does it mean for them and why are they opening that up and can they hear their partner's experience and be open to their partner's perspective even if it doesn't match what they want to hear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. does this conversation shift if someone's single versus in a relationship i think it does i think if somebody's single they're more likely my experience has been if somebody is single they're more likely to bring up the idea of uh, opening up healthy self-pleasuring because that is their prime would be their primary experience of sexuality. They tend to bring that up more frequently than my clients who are in couples, where the couple is trying to figure out how to become sexual together with each other in a relationship. What about, I, I agree with you. I'm just thinking though, I've had, I can think of a number of situations where um, uh, where someone has kind of avoided intimacy, avoided relationships, and they get year after year, they want to be in a relationship. But I think masturbation is a way of yeah. kind of, you know, masturbation pornography. I, I can get enough, quote unquote, enough of, of my sexual needs met without really having to take a risk to be in a relationship. And then I ultimately avoid getting into a, a, well, then, a relationship and then we're talking regardless of it we're talking about recovery stuff so you know part of recovery for my clients who are single is okay it's time for you to go out and date and it's time for you to figure out what healthy dating looks like right and if you're self-pleasuring is that getting in the way for some reason of your willingness or your interest to go out there and figure out what healthy dating looks like for you and so, and that's a whole different episode for us to record what healthy dating and recovery right. looks like. Right. Right. Log that. Well, yeah. 
And also there's this piece, uh, I mean, I think today we're making the distinction between masturbation and masturbation with pornography. Um, I think mainly we've been talking about masturbation without pornography. Um, and so one of the challenges that I find with a lot of um, single people right now is that um, the um, masturbation with pornography uh, seems to be a deterrent to being in an actual relationship. Um, I, you know, I always say, hey, porn delivers, right? Like that's, it's the, it, it is created to um, meet certain uh, needs. And so um, if those needs are pseudo met um, that way, then how, you know, how do people actually be in real relationships? And, and it's easy. I don't have to buy a dinner. I don't yeah. have to, I don't have to call it up to make sure it's having a good day. I don't have to meet its parents or manage its family. I don't have to worry if porn is going to be jealous because I went off to the went off to hang out with some friends and watch a soccer well game. i i think even more for my people i've talked to it's it and it porn is not going to reject me porn is i don't have to face the humiliation or the pain of abandonment or rejection or whatever all that kind of stuff that might happen in initiating connection with someone else and and that's kind of for me when it, it it's where we get back to sex addiction and we often refer to sex addiction as an intimacy disorder and you know porn helps allows someone to be sexual without having to be intimate and what we're really saying is that that in a relationship intimacy isn't always easy and some people choose to just avoid it altogether because they can go and experience sexuality without having to manage that which is you know there's a there's a point to that but there's so much that you miss if you're shutting that part of possibility of a relationship off and not allowing yourself to really figure out or explore integrating sexuality into a relationship so i want to thank you all for listening and i want to encourage you if you enjoyed this conversation to share it on your different social media outlets um, and if you liked us please uh, do so on youtube or um, can you do it on Spotify? I'm so bad at this. Can you give a like on Spotify? Yeah, um, we'd really appreciate that. And um, we look forward to seeing and listening and hearing you on the next conversation. Thanks so much.